Hey, it's so good to have you here. My name is Rosa Sally and this is the Flow Sutra podcast where we discuss the actualization of self-actualization. I am actually on such a high right now. Today we're going to talk about water fasting and the benefits. We'll talk about the scientific aspects of the benefits of a water fast and the process behind it, but also the spiritual benefits of undergoing a water fast. Fasting has been around for thousands of years and has been practiced in many spiritual traditions since the dawn of humanity. And in fact, fasting has been around since organisms have existed because periodically when there has been less resources, then there wouldn't be any access to food. So organisms have had to undergo fasting on a regular basis since the existence of organisms. So I guess my point being that in today's world, we suffer from this chronic overeating. We feed ourselves all the time without really giving our bodies and our mental processes a break. So our bodies are constantly stressed. Our minds are constantly stressed. So no wonder we're spiritually stressed as well. And not in the good way. So so I guess what I'm trying to say is that there's been overfeeding, chronic overfeeding that happens with today's modern culture where we're always eating. And the truth of the matter is we don't need to eat so often. If you ask a yogi, he would say or she would say that you don't need to eat that often. Just eat when you're hungry. I have survived on one meal a day for months and never really felt the need to eat anymore. It's been perfectly fine for me. Although it might not be healthy for everyone because it's happening all the time. Whereas if you go a day in the week without food, that's actually really good for your system because it gives your digestive system a break. And the digestive system uses a hell of a lot of calories to function because it's a process that lasts for hours depending on your metabolic rate. So you could be digesting food from anywhere between an hour to eight hours or even longer depending on your metabolism and the type of food that you've consumed. So the worst thing you can do is eat really late at night. Say you eat a meal at like 8 or 9 p.m., Your body is continually digesting that food, which means you wouldn't get quality sleep. Quality sleep is like the foundation to good health. Sleep is so important, guys. But what I've noticed on day three today of my water fast, where I've only had water, I only slept for three hours last night and I've had so much energy. I woke up at like midnight. I went to sleep early, but I woke up at midnight. I had so much energy. I couldn't sleep. I tried and then I just gave up. And now I'm motivated to do this podcast. And, you know, all this energy is just like, I don't know where it's coming from because I haven't eaten in three days. (laughs) It's actually amazing. When we give our digestive systems a break, truly remarkable things start happening in your body. And when I say remarkable, I mean incredible. I mean 
fucking mind-blowing. But, you know, yogis and people have known this for years. But recently, a few years ago, the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine was awarded to Yoshinori Osumi for his discoveries of mechanisms for autophagy. So you may be wondering what autophagy is. Let's look at the etymology of the word. Auto meaning self and phagene means to eat. So it's basically self-eating. So the idea of a fast is to essentially trigger autophagy, a process by which our body starts to kind of eat itself, but I'll go into a little bit more detail. So what happens is every cell that you have starts to recycle. It's this innate recycling system where the junk and the cellular waste is burned up like ash and used as fuel to create more healthy cells, more newer cells. So you can get rid of all the cells that are like faulty, you know, it's kind of like a clearing out of your space, a clearing out of your system of all the junk. It's kind of like spring cleaning for your body, right? You're getting rid of all the old shit. You're making space for new, beautiful cells, healthy organisms. So this process happens at a subcellular level. The organelles are designed to clear out the junk. The reason why autophagy is so amazing is because it's kind of like a reboot to your immune system because you have new healthy cells that are being produced in your body that can really, really protect you against inflammation and pathogens and, you know, your soldiers. Is, think of it like, your soldiers are brand new, ready to go and full of health and vitality. Whereas the old ones, like they've been to war and they're missing a leg. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not the greatest cells to be running around in your body using up all your energy when it's not really functioning that well. So when you clear out all of these old cells and make space for the new cells, your body's essentially learning to use up energy in a much more efficient way. There is also a process known as apoptosis, which is literally meaning programmed cell death. So cells after a certain number of divisions are actually programmed to die. But it's actually for maintaining really good health and it's happening all the time. So, so similarly, when our cells are dividing and dividing and dividing, it's getting older as it divides. And when it's getting older, it's kind of like not that healthy anymore. So it's kind of like cellular aging. So it's actually good to kill off the older cells so that there's space for new cells to be generated. So whilst I do believe that aging is a myth and that we do not have to age in this chronological way that society believes, I think it's a complete myth. There are so many ways you can reverse aging. It's proven like autophagy is one of them. Fasting can trigger autophagy. Isn't that amazing? It's like a reboot to your immune system, a reboot to your whole system. You come out in this brand new version of yourself. It's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> but 
it is actually that amazing. It is actually that beautiful that something so simple can create such drastic effects. And this was the work of the Nobel Prize winner. So, I mean, it's sad that fasting only gains attention after modern science has proven it when, you know, yogis and other people in thousands of years ago have advocated fasting, not only for its physical benefits, but more so its spiritual benefits. So how do you actually go about inducing autophagy? So you don't actually take any drastic measures of going into a three-day water fast willy-nilly as a beginner. I would actually recommend against that. I would actually advise people to start with intermittent fasting, which is where you control your eating within a certain period of time. So say you will eat between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. So you're only eating within a window of eight hours and then you're fasting for the rest of the 16 hours. And you can, maybe a 16 hour fast is too much for you to start with. So you can start with a 12 hour fast. It's actually really simple once you get used to it. Like you have breakfast is 10 a.m. and then you have your dinner like around 6 p.m. But what's easy for me is to entirely just skip breakfast and just start eating at noon. I think noon is a perfect time to actually start eating solid foods because in Ayurveda, it works according to the circadian rhythm. And someone also won a Nobel Prize for this. I can't remember the name, but the Nobel Prize also went to someone discovering, not discovering, excuse me, but evidence-based reports and journals on circadian rhythms, which Ayurveda has been talking about for thousands of years. So the, the principle of circadian rhythms is you attune your body to the rhythms and the cyclical cycles of nature. So you eat during specific times because that's when your organs have turned on and is functioning. And then there are times when your organs need to go to sleep. So let it sleep. Don't eat at 9 p.m. and then keep your digestive system functioning and all the other organs in your body functioning when it needs to sleep. Just like you, sleep is where detoxification happens. It's where all these amazing processes happen. And if you don't get into the deep rejuvenating stage of the REM cycle of the deep sleep, then this process can't take place. You can't detoxify. Your optimal health state won't manifest if you're depriving yourself of sleep. This culture of like, oh my God, I only got like three hours of sleep. I'm so busy with my work and it's amazing because I'm such a hard worker and I sacrifice sleep. YOLO. Actually, I would say those people are idiots because if you don't sleep well, you're basically drunk. Your neurological capacity to compute and function is drastically reduced as if you had been drinking. So please get adequate amounts of sleep. It varies from person to person. I mean, I need loads of sleep and I'm okay with that. Sleep is like a religion to me. I have to get my sleep. 
So I guess going back to circadian rhythms and understanding how we have to function and align and in tune ourselves with the cycles of nature to get the most out of our bodies and minds and our spirits. So in Ayurveda, the optimal time to eat is during the pitta time, which is between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. And your largest meal has to be eaten between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Because that's when your digestive fire or your agni is the strongest. It's when your digestive enzymes are, have been secreted, they're ready to go, they're ready to digest, it's the peak time, it's aligned with the time of the nature, and amazing, all systems go. Eat that food, baby. So after 2 p.m. or after 3 p.m., your meals should become lighter, easier to digest. Don't have like your biggest meal for dinner. That's setting yourself up for a really, for a poor quality sleep at the very least. And at the very most, you could suffer from digestive issues. And I've, I've seen this skyrocketing in today's modern world where Digestive issues are literally everywhere. Everyone's suffering from some kind of bloating or pain or gas or constipation or irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, so many issues that's stemming from the gut. And our gut is literally our brain because our gut sends signals to our brain and then your brain in turn reacts. So our gut can essentially be the first place where we secrete the hormones that we need to sustain a healthy and happy life. So our, our gut is actually our brain, so don't get it twisted. So what you eat, when you eat, and how you eat matters. I say how you eat because if you don't eat mindfully and you're just watching something or you're walking and eating or you're drinking loads of water or liquids that that dampens your digestive fire, all of this is not going to help your digestion. You have to create an optimal environment for the food to be digested because if left undigested, if it's only partially digested, then it can remain in your intestines and the bacteria that's present in your intestines will release toxins because it's kind of meshing with this undigested food instead of passing through. In, so in Ayurveda, the cornerstone of health is your digestion. If your digestion is working on point, then you will be a healthy individual. Whereas if your digestion is not working properly, your food is not digested properly, it's partially digested, it's going to release toxins, it's going to seep into your bloodstream, it's going to create dis-ease in your body. I mean, this is pretty common sense, yet modern science is only like catching up to it right now, talking about gut health and gut bacteria and how it's affecting our brains and our neurological processes, how a lot of what we eat is affecting our moods, how it may be linked to depression and anxiety and all of these things and addiction as well. Because when you eat a lot of sugar, you create a lot of the 
the bad bacteria in your gut because there's good bacteria and bad bacteria and the bad bacteria is actually sending signals to your brain of craving so you crave that more so you're being run essentially by the bacteria in your system because there's so much there's so many bacteria that's present in our bodies and the gut bacteria is the most important so we have to learn to feed it the right things at the right time and in the right way and fasting is like a way to just cleanse your system so that when you're fasting, you realize your cravings. What are you craving? What are just habitual patterns? Like for me, my first day of fasting is always just like, oh, fuck. Like I'm just, I'm not even hungry. I just, it's just a habit because when I'm doing some work, like eating is like a break for me. So it's like, it's like, you know, when you're bored, you go and open the fridge and you stare at it. And you're just like, oh, damn, there's nothing I want to eat in here. (laughs) It's kind of like that. It's just a habit. So it's transcending the habit, transcending the cravings. It really gives you a clear picture into your habitual patterns and your emotional relationship with food. Because a lot of people have unhealthy emotional relationship with food and it's it's actually so common we stress eat we binge eat we don't eat we eat out of addiction we eat out of orthorexia is also a form of eating like really healthy that you become obsessed with like healthy eating and that's also not healthy you know like all of these things are playing a major and vital role in our everyday life. Food is a big part of our lives and it actually controls a lot of us. Like sometimes I find that my cravings control me when I've had too many chocolates, I'm craving that piece of chocolate. Yeah, it might be dark chocolate or whatever. It's got no refined sugar and it's, you know, this quote unquote healthy form of chocolate. But whatever it is, it's a craving that's controlling me. And if there's something that's controlling you, yeah, you need to re-evaluate. <laughs> so, so when I'm on this fast, I realize how much food has been controlling me. And then on day two, I'm just like, yo, I don't even need food. I'm good. You know, like, and I realized how much time I have, how many things I can get done, how much energy I have, how my mind is just crystal clear because there's no insulin spikes, you know? There's no blood sugar spikes. That's, you know, that dip that you feel after lunch, that's basically your insulin spiking and then crashing your blood sugar levels. So when your insulin spikes, your blood sugar level spikes, the glycogen depletes. And when glycogen spikes, your insulin levels deplete. So what we need is a glycogen spike because what that does is it triggers autophagy. It triggers the cleaning out and the clearing out of the cellular junk so that we can be upgraded on a cellular level. Everything begins at the cellular level and it's so important to see it like this. So we've spoken about autophagy, why it's important, how it can help with inflammation, how it can help with aging, how it can help with so many disorders. So autophagy can be 
stimulated through fasting, intermittent fasting, long-term fasting. It depends. For shorter-term benefits, you can do intermittent fasting where you only eat between certain hours of the day. For men, it's wise to do 16-hour fasts a few times a week. And for women, they can do 16-hour fasts, but they shouldn't be doing it more than once a week or so, in my opinion, because, because women hold more body fat content anyway. They should definitely only strive for maybe 12-hour fasts or something similar. Like I have been guilty of doing 16-hour fasts and I've been fine, but not all women are programmed the same or I don't know the long-term effects because I haven't done 16-hour fasts for more than a few months at a time, for example. So the idea behind that is women have always stayed in the vicinity of food and children and they've had access to the the food that they've hunted and gathered whilst the men are out there fasting for long periods whilst they hunt or whilst they gather they've been out they go out of the tribe in search of food so they have period longer periods of starvation as opposed to women that is the idea behind women not taking on long-term fasts but Doing a 24-hour fast every week is actually really beneficial for our system. Doing intermittent fasting a few times a week is highly beneficial to our system, gives our digestive system a break, gives our body time to detoxify, clear out the junk, clear out the waste, renew itself. You can also do it through stress, like exercise. High-stress exercise can also induce autophagy. So why is it so important to clear out these damaged cells, these old cells? It's because they can trigger the inflammatory pathways and contribute to various diseases. So the research has shown many big benefits for autophagy. So one of them being that it can recycle damaged proteins, organelles. It can regulate the functioning of the cell's mitochondria, which is the powerhouse of the cell. You know, you've learned this, creating adenosine triphosphate or ATP. I actually remember that from my biology class in, when I was like 12. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> so it can help with clearing. It can help protect the nervous system and encourage the growth of brain and nerve cells. It supports heart cells, protects against heart disease. It definitely enhances the immune system. It can defend against toxic proteins and pathogens. It protects the stability of the DNA. And it also prevents the damage to the healthy tissues and organs. And some evidence has also shown that it can potentially fight cancer and neurodegenerative diseases and other illnesses. Fasting has been used on people who are undergoing chemotherapy and they've found like really good results in reduction of pain and actual recovery from the negative side effects of chemotherapy. I don't advocate chemotherapy, but each each their own and you have to obviously make those decisions for yourself. The benefits of autophagy can also reverse aging. Like, isn't that cool? I mean, people have talked about how fasting can help with skin health because 
you know, our skin is the largest organ in our body and it's obviously comprised of cells. And yes, we want to get rid of all the junk. So the peak of autophagy has been seen around 36 hours and after that it can continue. So if you're new to fasting, start with intermittent fasting and then work your way up towards a 24-hour fast. And once you get comfortable with that, you can try a two-day fast. Only water, two-day water fast. And if you think you can handle that, do a three-day water fast. Don't do what I did. <laughs> which was <laughs> I went on a three-day water fast cold turkey like just like that I hadn't done any any like full-on fasting I had done some intermittent fasting but I hadn't done a 24-hour fast properly before you know by accident probably it happened but I hadn't committed to one and went through with it so when I did that, my body was already under a lot of stress. I was slightly underweight or on the brink of being underweight um, because I was going through a lot of stress in my life and I was stressed out in my head and I was stressed out in my body and I had lost a lot of weight. So when I undertook my three-day water fast, the driving factor for me was I wanted to reboot to my immune system because after years of being in the UK, I grew up in India, I started to develop really dry skin. And I noticed that whenever I was out of the country, whenever I went back to my home in India, whenever I went to tropical countries, my skin was amazing. It was glowing. It was dewy, honey, caramel, bronze, dewy, shape butter, smooth, baby butt skin. It was amazing. Everyone is like, oh my God, your skin's amazing. Um, <laughs> and then I come to the UK and after like seven years or so, like it was really bad. My skin was so dry. It looked like snake skin. I had to moisturize so often. I didn't understand why my body wasn't retaining the moisture. And then that led to eczema and it led to like, so much stress in my life, like, you know, that loop, like you have stress from other things in your life. And then you have this inflammatory skin condition, which is making you itch, literally making you itch. And then that makes you feel bad. And then like skin health is really important to me. Like I take care, I've always taken care of my skin because it's, it was something that was drilled into me by my mom when I was a really young girl so I always took care of my skin and so it really affected me on a psychological level when my skin started to behave this way so I went into this water fast thinking oh this is going to cure my skin it's going to reset my immune system bloody bloody blah, blah but actually it took a major toll on me I was like a collapsed pile of bones in my bed had such a difficult time after day one. It was so hard for me to do anything, even to get my tea, even to get water. Like it was so difficult, but I still went through with it. I should have just given up, but I went through with it. It was really bad. My body was getting rid of everything, literally detoxifying itself, but that meant I was going to the toilet and it wasn't pleasant. I felt nauseous. I felt my stomach was churning. I just felt weak and dizzy and really, really not in a good space. 
So I would caution against doing a fast when you're not in optimal physical and mental states. And whilst and whilst fasting is recommended when for many diseases, like if you already suffer from a disease in your body or there's some illnesses that you suffer with, whether it be mental or physical, always do it under someone who has experiential knowledge and a medical professional that can help guide you through the process. Don't just decide to do it willy-nilly. I'm sure intermittent fasting is fine, but if you want to do like a three-day water fast and you're not in the best of health, then I would... I would, there would be a word of caution there to do your own research and to find the right people to support you. And if you start feeling bad, stop. And this is also a really key component to fasting, which is how you break the fast. How you break the fast is equally important as the fast itself. Because for so long, your digestive fire has been depleted there is no there are no more enzymes being secreted no digestive enzymes that exist in your system so you can't just like go and have like a whole meal you know that's literally going to stress your body the fuck out and you're going to have stomach pains and you're going to like literally have the worst time so really really pay attention to how you break your fast the first step should always be to stimulate the digestive juices in your stomach so how would you do that so so at the time you break your fast whenever that is you have some lemon in hot water or you have some salt like Himalayan pink salt with some trace minerals in the hot water or you have some apple cider vinegar in hot water hot water being We want to ignite the fire in our digestive system. We don't want to drink cold water and just douse it. So it's always recommended in Ayurveda to have an Agni or fire boosting tea. So so there's like loads of spices you can have to stimulate the digestive fire like coriander, fennel, all of these things can stimulate the digestive fire or cinnamon. You know, there's many options out there ginger is a great digestive stimulates the digestive juices turmeric fresh turmeric all of those can really help stimulate the digestive juices so after you have that you wait for half an hour and then you have to have something that is very easy to digest so something with a high water content now it's a popular method to break fasting with fruits that are high water content but the trouble with this is fruits usually have fructose which can lead to a spike in insulin which increases blood sugar levels when your body has been in ketosis mode for the duration of the fast and ketosis is essentially when your body is burning the fat fuel that's stored in your body instead of the external food sources So autophagy also stimulates ketosis. Ketosis meaning you burn your fat reserves, which is good. So what you do is instead of having fruit, I mean, if you don't care about staying in ketosis, you do you, you know, you do you, boo. Like have that watermelon, which is high water content, you know, have some 
berries, which are low glycemic index. So the glycemic index is essentially showing you the spike to your insulin levels or the blood sugar levels in your system. So something with a high glycemic index is heavily carb laden and can create a insulin spike in your system. And something that is low glycemic will, will not create that huge spike. So the reason why we don't want this like constant going up and down of our blood sugar levels, because it's not great in terms of our optimal body functioning. It can accelerate aging if you're always like going up and down, up and down, which is why snacking isn't actually a good thing because the more often you eat, the more variable your your blood sugar levels are and what we want to do is maintain it. We want to maintain the blood sugar levels at a low level so that it can be optimized for better functioning, better aging, reversing aging in many instances. There are many ways that you can prevent your blood sugar levels from going up and down all the time. Like there are so many biohacks for that. One is eating a ketogenic diet, which is high fat and low carb. Now, nutritional science isn't perfect. So where to caution there, do your own do your own research, do what works for your own body, but you know, we want our body to eat our fat reserves as opposed to our muscle reserves or our lean mass reserves. So implementing a ketogenic diet which is high fat so you know like coconut oil avocados nuts avocado oil seeds these are all great options for having a high fat plant-based diet so that is an option to stay to keep your blood sugar level stable another thing that you can do is literally do exercise right before you eat like anyone who's in the fitness industry knows that the best time to eat a meal is post-workout because your body immediately uses up the fuel so yeah do like 40 squats before you eat a meal I know it sounds ridiculous but if you really care about your blood sugar levels or trying to reverse aging or like you don't need to be so obsessed with your health but I don't think it hurts to do 40 squats before a meal I mean I don't do it all the time but it helps and another thing to do to maintain a healthy blood sugar level is to go for a walk after your meal now this is great for your digestion anyway go for a short walk nothing nothing brisk or you know like something that increases your heart rate but just just a nice short walk I think is amazing to do that and doing some breath work like any kind of breath work that puts your system in rest and digest mode we want to avoid eating and then being in fight or flight mode because if you stimulate your body with stress so say you're in the office you eat your meal at your desk you're not mindful about what you eat and then straight away you're going into that stressful meeting like your body's not going to digest that food in your stomach what it's going to do is it's obviously release that stress hormone so now it's going to direct the resources to literally 
being in a hyper-stressed out state. It's not in rest and digest mode. It's not in your parasympathetic nervous system. It's in your sympathetic nervous system, which is your you know stress response. So your body won't digest the food. The undigested food will create toxins, will become toxins, seep into your bloodstream, create disease. So it's very important. <laughs> it's so important to be diligent about your digestive system and how it works. And if you don't understand these concepts and how it works and how your body works and how your body reacts and how your food is being digested, when you should eat, how you should eat, the things you should do to maintain this beautiful, beautiful body that we've been given, this physical vessel, we don't know how to use it because it's designed to be perfectly healthy. It's so intelligent. It knows how to heal itself. Once we create the right conditions for it to heal itself, your body is magic. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It's it's everything you need it to be. <laughs> it's, it's amazing what you have. And you have to take care of it. It's a form of self-love. It's a form of saying, yo, I care about myself. And also, when you take care of this vessel, the spiritual vessel on this earth, you gain a visit from your spirit and your body is ready for higher consciousness, higher states of evolution. This is why it's so important because if you are staying in this physical realm and your body is inundated with disease and discomfort and this problem and that problem all the time, then how are you going to achieve whatever you want to achieve? How are you not going to how are you going to feel good about yourself? How are you going to have higher states of consciousness where you commune with something that is bigger than you, where you have these experiences that literally blow your mind? It's kind of difficult. This is why, you know, your food is also linked to mental health conditions. What you eat creates you, you know. In yoga or in the Vedic tradition, there's something called koshas and it's the different layers of your body so I won't go into all of them but the first body is your physical body which is your annamaya kosha which literally translates to your food body so everything that you eat is being converted into our cells is being the energy that you eat is being directly converted into your cells and that is being recycled in our body and literally becomes our physical body so what you consume is important, how you consume it is important, when you consume it is important to create this optimal state of health where your body can heal itself if there is an issue or your body can thrive. It can thrive so that it can be a beacon of light and abundance and you can create magic in this world because physically you're healthy so you can move on to bigger and better things, essentially. So I guess we went on a tangent, uh, but breaking your fast is really important. So high water content stuff that is not high in sh natural sugars or just sugars in general. So I would recommend cucumbers are great because it's got high water content. It doesn't have a lot of sugar. It will keep you in ketosis. It will, it's a low glycemic index fruit, vegetable, whatever whatever you want to call it and it's also easy to be digested 
And then don't have a lot, have like a palm sized amount of cucumbers and wait and see how you feel. So wait for like 30 minutes and then see if you wanna eat some more. You can have some more cucumber or then you can move on to a bit more complex foods like avocados, which are high in fats, keeps you in ketosis, doesn't spike your blood sugar levels. And then you take it really, really slow and steady. Then you can have some veggie broth if you're plant-based or whatever broth you want if you are not plant-based. And then you can move on to like steamed veggies or you can have some fruits. And it's like an incremental step. So you take it really slow, really, really slow. So sometimes it's just enough to eat, you know, cucumbers and maybe some avocados later on and some steamed veggies much later on. So each meal you can increase in complexity slightly, very, very slightly, and that's really crucial. And the key is to like pay attention to your food sensitivity, how your body is reacting, how you feel. Don't gorge, like after fasting for so long, don't go and binge eat, that is the worst thing you can do. You can end up with stomach aches, pains, or even worse, like the refeeding is really, really crucial. If not done correctly, it can cause very, very negative side effects. Like there have been instances when people have not taken the refeeding and breaking the fast seriously, and it's led to like fatal issues. So be very careful. Always listen to your body. Slow and steady is the way. Very, very important. And and it's amazing how I feel right now on day three. I haven't broken my fast yet. I'm still on water. It's also important that when you fast, you don't drink too much water. There's so much evidence or there's so much information out there that you should drink like gallons and gallons of water when you're on your water fast actually that taxes your kidneys okay like it creates stress on your kidneys so don't drink too much water keep it in an acceptable range too much water is detrimental now the ways you can optimize your fast is to drink the right amount of water if you're doing a longer fast like three days or more than refrain from stressing out your body. Don't go out there and be like, oh, I wanna get the most out of this fast, so I'm gonna work out extra hard. What you can do is you can tear your muscles and instead of your body reserving the fuels to clear out the junk and create new cells, it's gonna have to redirect the resources to heal the torn muscles. So it's just, Basics really don't tax your body. You can do some gentle stretching, some yoga. That's all great, but do not do strenuous exercise. Another way, another really great way to take your fasting to the next level is to do like an Epsom salt bath. Epsom salt baths with magnesium flakes or baking soda, some essential oils or all of them is absolutely amazing to detoxify your body. So you can do some dry brushing as well. So dry brushing is where you take a dry brush and brush it in long strokes from your legs all the way up and you bring your brush in long strokes towards the center of your body or towards the heart. 
and essentially it's a lymphatic drain. You're stimulating your lymphatic system, which is your lymphatic system essentially is how the waste gets exited. Your waste is removed from the body, right? So it removes it through sweat. So taking a hot Epsom salt bath, you actually get really hot, you sweat and you remove, you detoxify, the waste is then taken out of your system. So this is great if you're fasting. Some people do enemas like coffee enemas or just hydro, just water enemas. Now that's up to you if you want to do it or not. You're detoxifying anyway. If you really want to go to that stage, then go for it. But yeah, would probably recommend seeing an experienced professional because animals may not be for everyone. Another great thing you can do is rest, don't tax your nervous system, do things that will increase dopamine and serotonin, which are the feel-good hormones in your system. So like if you're spending time with people, make sure they're happy, positive, and people who really give you good vibes, you know, don't be spending no time with no energy vampires and toxic people. And, you know, this is why, like, if you're doing a longer fast, then make sure you're not like really going to work and stuff, because it can be a stressful environment. You're already putting your body under stress. You don't want to put your mind under stress, because fasting is not just a physical stress. It's also a mental stress. If you're not used to intermittent fasting if you're not used to one day fasting if you're not used to two day fasting longer fasts are really taxing on your nervous system because your nervous system is going putting out these like red alarms like fear i'm scared i'm scared i'm gonna starve bloody bloody blah because it's never experienced this level of starvation in a way so it's it's just being scared for no reason and to be fair that's what your nervous system is designed to do but you need to create a really calm and peaceful and uplifting environment for yourself when you're fasting. So breath work is like the magic wand in your fasting cycle. So if you do some breath work, some pranayama, it can release the the feel-good chemicals, the feel-good hormones in your brain. And it's just amazing. Do some meditation, do some journaling be introspective it's a great time to like really focus on being the witness consciousness of your thoughts allow it to pass by because you're in such a deep state there are so many this is where the spiritual part of fasting comes into play like it's been amazing truly transcendental how I feel on like day three of my fasting I feel like There's prana or life force energy just literally surging through me. I feel electricity like just everywhere in my body. And it's it's this amazing feeling like I just feel so high vibrational, so happy, so much energy, so much prana. I'm like high on my own supply. I feel high as fuck like I feel so good and I've been doing breath work I've been doing so much meditation I've been journaling I've been doing yoga I've been doing some dancing because I've had so much energy I wouldn't recommend you dance like there's no tomorrow but I've been doing a lot of movement as well 
And those spiritual practices for me really tie this whole fasting thing and make it so special, so amazing, so detoxifying on a mental, physical, spiritual level. And it's like, I feel like I'm turbo, turbo boosting my life. My meditations are like on another level. I feel like I'm on some other, I'm on some like multiverse, I'm, I'm in like the cosmic womb of everything in existence. I don't know how to describe it. I just feel high <laughs> and happy and great and so much energy to even record this podcast. Like it's been amazing. So spiritually, fasting has been done for thousands of years and it's got incredible benefits like buddha fasted for like 40 days under the bodhi tree and that's how he gained enlightenment now i'm not going to sit and fast for 40 days under a tree one it's cold two i'm not trying to lose that much weight <laughs> um and i'm not like in desperate need of enlightenment like chasing enlightenment is as bad as not chasing enlightenment I feel like it's like the spiritual ego if you're chasing enlightenment I'm doing whatever I need to do in this moment to be present to be kind to be compassionate to be the highest version of myself that I can be to be my highest self to find my true powers to be high vibrational to be in that space of accepting things as it is for what it is Whatever it is, you know, that is what I'm after in this moment. And, you know, if, enlighten, if enlightenment comes someday, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> Sounds fucking amazing. Like, I would love it, but I'm not chasing it, okay? So I'm not going to sit under a tree for 40 days. I mean, Buddha was amazing. Like, he did that and kudos you know there are so many other people that advocate fasting from all these ascended masters yogis all of these amazing beings preach fasting because it has incredible spiritual benefits because when your body is not taxed under constantly digestive food you have you can move the energy from your lower chakras from your manipura chakra to your higher chakra so your third eye or your Arjuna chakra opens, your crown chakra, which is your Sahasrara chakra opens. And you can commune with things that are bigger and higher than you. And you can have a higher perspective, a higher vision. You can see things from a higher level. Your vibes are high. Your levels of consciousness are high. You're on the scale of higher consciousness delving in the rage of peace, neutrality, joy, love, kindness, compassion, understanding, enlightenment, whatever it is. So spiritually, the benefits of fasting are amazing, but you have to do it in the right way, under the right circumstances, building up to it, and yada, yada, yada. So I invite you to explore the possibility of fasting and its numerous benefits. I mean, people today are obsessed with remaining young, so maybe you want to remain youthful. If not for, you know, if not for spiritual reasons, maybe you want to do it for vanity reasons. Whatever floats your boat, no judgment. I'm just giving you the information so that you can be a 
better version of yourself and you know that you have tools to help you on your way, whether it be your mental health, your physical health, your spiritual health, fasting always has a place. So do your own research, see how you feel, take baby steps, don't rush in, do a hell of a lot of research, do what feels right for your body. And if you have any illnesses, seek medical professional advice from someone who understands what fasting is and understands the benefits of this. There are fasting retreats. If, you, if you're suffering from chronic illnesses, there are actually fasting retreats where people go and fast for like 40 days. People are fine, like 40 days, no water. The longest record for fasting is like 300 and. 28 days or something. I mean, don't quote me on that, but it's definitely above 300 days. So there are people who've gone almost a year without fasting. I have personally met someone who was a breatharian for five years, which means he didn't eat anything for five years. So I'm sure there are beings on this planet that have survived without food for a long time, okay? Now, I'm not saying you need to do all of that. I'm just saying you're not going to die by doing a three-day water fast, okay? Uh, but but also depends on the levels of your physical, mental, spiritual evolution. Like I said, when I did my first fast, it was chaos. But when I did it now, it's been years since my first three-day water fast. Now I feel like I've leveled the fuck up. But I've also leveled up in my physical health, in my spiritual health, in my mental health. Like I'm so much more resilient on all these levels. I have so much more perspective and understanding and maturity around life in general that I feel like that is why my fasting has had such incredible amazing results right now so if you're curious and you want to dip your toes into it start with intermittent fasting do your own research I am sending you infinite love and peace and blessings peace out (laughs) 